0: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDIC. Grandstand cricket. With a splendid innings for New Zealand, but they are all out for 307 yeah. Another test is done and
1: dusted. Now it's time for some post-match parlay with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. Yeah! The final word with ABC Grandstand. Bienvenidos todos. A la palabra última con Adam Collins y Jefe Limón.
0: It's final word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Back for another week, Jeff displaying his full repertoire of skills there. Uh, and hopefully- You've got to bring people in. We're all about <laughs> trying to
1: expand this to the Hispano Blante audience out there who are, you know, they're mad for cricket, absolutely mad for it. There's a team in Chile, there's a team in Argentina.
0: Well, I, we should maybe we should uh, at some point or another make a point of exploring mm. that, given the, your your vast skills, Jeff.
1: They play in about Div Six of you know the 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 ICC's various worldwide leagues. We've well, seen how quickly you can
0: you can go up and down the leagues. Canada, for example, who famously uh, won a World mm-hmm. Cup game. Did they win that World Cup game where John Davis made? It? I don't think, I don't they, think did. they did. I think he knocked them off.
1: He made the fastest World Cup hundred. Yeah, which um, was
0: sixty nine balls, if memory serves. It was a wonderful wonderful evening watching a former Victorian cricketer make the quickest, wasn't it?
1: And uh, and was it was it Vasbert Drakes who pulled in the catch? There was it was a ridiculous one-handed catch at long off to end the innings um, on one of those small Caribbean grounds.
0: Now, I, I can't believe we've just spent two minutes talking about John Davison. And Bazbert Drakes. I, <laughs> know, John, I is, mean, don't but, get me wrong. But, but I'm going to say, this isn't the first time I'm going to mention John Davison in this podcast. This podcast okay. that will indeed include chat about India squad, which was announced a couple of days ago. Uh, the one-day international series between Australia and Pakistan, which is two fixtures in Big bashes, both women and men. We we're into the final weekend of those two competitions. We'll take that all to you today, but we'll start with India, and I might just start with John Davison. Didn't expect to, but we've come this far. <laughs> what I will well, say it's is, a
1: little like the Canadian batting order. They didn't expect to start with John Davison either, but...
0: Well, 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 well John Dav- isn't going to India. I, I read a press okay. release about an hour ago, which, which indicated that they're taking uh, Sridharan which which he's gone to previous... Uh, tours with Australia, a previous ill-fated tours with Australia mm. as the spin consultant and he's got the with, gong. Did he go to Sri Lanka? Uh, I think Murley went to Sri Lanka. M- Murali
1: was in Sri Lanka. He didn't have to go. Well, yeah, that was we- one <laughs> of the advantages of Murali. Is that he, he's, he's pre-packaged, you know. Uh, he's I- waiting. He's like the mint on your pillow. When you arrive in Sri Lanka, Murali's there.
0: Yeah, well, I know, I know that he has been involved in, in previous Australian tours of the subcontinent and, and surrounds in recent times, but that means Davidson's not going. So, mm. And also, uh, um, the, the one Monty Panesar, there's reports in the Australian newspaper mm. today that he's being um, turned to by Pat Howard after a report that Steve O'Keefe's a bit of a fan of uh, Monty's, and they've got a relationship, and and they're going to let that flourish between now and when they take off for uh, uh, take off for India in about three weeks from now.
1: Speaking of things on your pillow, maybe minty panasa. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to talk about Monty Panesar and pillows and, uh, what he, what, and anything, to do with him, nocturnal Monty Panesar all what, day long.
1: What I'd really love is if they got mixed up and they took Monty Morgan, who's the front man from Client Liaison, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the sort of 80s pastiche trash <laughs> band that's, that's getting a really uh, good run on Australian radio at the moment for some supremely cheesy efforts. Uh, this, give him a, a YouTube.
0: In, in a fairly competitive field, this is the most esoteric start we've ever had to a podcast. We'll just roll with that. Uh, India Squad. Mm-hmm. Let's focus here, Jeff. Get, sure. get yep. we, we had a, we had a bolter last week. We said there must be a bolter, but with the benefit of reflection, I'm not sure whether Mitchell Swepson is necessarily a bolter. He's young, so obviously Greg Chappell's a mm-hmm. bit of a fan of the young players. He's from the pathway, air quotes. Okay. Shane Warne talks him up on television all the time. Which we know I last was time. The decisive well, we know last time Shane Warne talked a bloke up, uh, Michael Beer was in the Test side three weeks later, and his yeah. name's Mitchell, and it obviously affects the True. Mitchell the Mitchell quota. The Mitchell We've quota Lost Mitchell is Johnson. Raised, yep. Mitchell Marsh has been out of the side, and we. We, we always are aware of Dan Liebke's Mitchell Mitchell watch,
1: and the Mitchell slash Marsh ratio is good. We've got two Marshes now in the squad and three Mitchells.
0: It's it's solid. So, so maybe this Mitch Schwepson from Queensland, the twenty three year old league also, breaker, wasn't such a smoky after. I played well in the A two. Well, to be fair also, to him, took, took wickets in the A two uh, over the winter, averaging nineteen. Mm. You, know, you can see why they've picked
1: him. Also, he plays at the club at Trevor Hones's club in yes, Queensland, he does. which maybe a factor in terms of making him a bit more known, a bit more visible.
0: Yeah, familiarity. Uh, Daniel Bredig made this point yep. on Twitter, I think, in that uh, Johnny Verarity's r- influence on Chris Rogers' career might be to do with that club background initially. Not that mm-hmm. he didn't have to make a ton of runs to make the side, but you know, if you know someone and know what they're capable yep. of, at, at least he's not a uh, completely unknown quantity, and that's certainly the case with Hones and Swepson.
1: We could also say that he has Schweppescence. We could. Um, sparkling we could. personality. You know? Um Hopefully he won't bowl too many sodas. I,
0: I, I, want, I want to try and find a way to work in something to do with solo here, but you, you've, got me, you've got me covered. Hilton Cartwright was left out of the squad for Mitchell Marsh. Um, I... Didn't expect that. I think I thought they'd just take Cartwright because, like, why not? Is he incumbent, winning side, all that jazz? But yeah. maybe it's a little bit like Joe Burns at the end of the 13-14 summer, made twin 50s at the SCG, and they left him out for the England tour on the basis that they thought it would be a better-rounded squad having some more experience with mm-hmm. Sean Marsh. And that's essentially what's happening here with Mitchell Marsh, in that they want to have a guy with a bit more experience, particularly with the ball.
1: I think they want more than experience. You know, they basically saw that Cartwright was bowling marshmallows at the SCG. Mm. Um, wasn't going to have any penetration with the ball. And, you know, Mitch Marsh, while he's criticised by plenty out on the internet and so on, at, at least he can bowl above 140. Um, at least he can br- get a bit of speed through the air. He can get reverse swing if if the ball's treated properly. And, uh, you know, his batting at one-day level has actually been really promising the last sort of 18 months or so where his batting at test level has, has been poor. Um, but if you're going to have him coming in a bit lower in the order at sort of seven or eight uh essentially playing as a as a front line seamer who can bat well, then you know, maybe he's not such a bad option.
0: Yeah, and that, that seems the narrative around Mitchell Marsh. He's not going to be in the top six. If he plays, it'll be as that sort of bowling all-rounder, um, which we spoke about last week on the yeah. final word, utilising him more as a, a third or even indeed you know, maybe second seamer in, in the scenario we flagged last week. With and, three
1: spinners. Yeah, potentially. But, and they've
0: got, the, they've got the spin stocks to pull that off. Obviously, Nathan Lyon and Steve O'Keefe, your incumbents. Ashton Agar's taken as well, which I think we expected that. They want to have yeah. um, his ability to turn the ball away from the right-hander. And then that, they've gone with Schwepson for similar reasons.
1: Yeah, I I just feel like that that spin squad is going to be torn apart if they all play in the one game. I just I can't I can't see them I can't see them troubling Indian batsmen to be
0: honest. Just before the squad was announced the night before, indeed, um, Farwood Ahmed took wickets and he he did an interview with, with Tom Morris during the week for Fox yep. Sports and and reflected on uh, his own. Career trajectory, and he's 34 years old now, and obviously he's been on a couple of Australian tours, most notably last year's Ashes, where he, where he got clobbered in those tour games, and he was a sure thing to play in that first test in the West Indies, going back to mm. the start of that tour. He was indeed—I remember the very first morning of that first tour game, he just looked far more threatening than Nathan Lyon, and you know we were we were convinced he was going to play. The, the you know I don't know if this means everything, but Cricket Australia put him up as a, a pre-game interview two days before the test match. Mm-hmm. We, we, it was taken as assumed that Farwood Ahmed was going to play, and then he was clobbered by county attacks who really went after him. Um, which didn't reflect well upon him, because he bowled poorly, as you'd recall, Jeff. But nevertheless, he, sure. he, he but fell I mean, off the radar completely. But you look at the flip of that. That was also in a
1: circumstance where Northamptonshire should nearly beat Australia in by two in innings in yeah. two days. That's true. So but, 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 nobody was playing well.
0: No, no, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I think that he, he's uh, using that sample size and saying, well, he's been on Australian tours and struggled, therefore how could he play well yeah. in, a, in a tour with as much pressure as India? That sort of excludes the idea that this guy's been playing in these conditions for the better part of his life. And yeah. you'd, you'd think that with his, he's taken more Sheffield shooter wickets than anyone in the last four years. You know, it, it isn't the most logical. Were, conclu- he hasn't played Victoria this year. I mean, I'm mean, i not going to deny yeah. that it would have been out there as well. But I feel but like if you're worried in a about him up
1: on a tour, and you're going to throw a 23, 24 year old in with no experience at all to speak of, you know, how is that any different?
0: Yeah, well, well that's right. And we saw last time, last time around, what happened when they took someone with relative, well, a limited experience in Xavier Doherty who who, who did struggle, and Nathan Lyon, likewise, with a bit more experience, albeit, but he didn't have the best tour himself until mm-hmm. the, the final Test match when he ran through them in Delhi, I think it was. So the, the league's been a debate goes on. I, I do see a world where they might consider adding to that squad. They know they know And they name 16. There's speculation in some corners of the media they may name 18. They've said that after two test matches, they'll evaluate whether they need an extra fast bowler because they're only taking three, Stark, Hazelwood and Bird. So I, I can imagine yep. a world where Farwood does get the tap on the shoulder and taken over there or indeed another fast bowler.
1: Yeah, I, I, it just seems... Silly to have left him out, given that you know of anyone who 's going to have some idea how to bowl in those conditions, obviously he hasn 't played in in Pakistan for a number of years now, but he grew up there he He was raised on those sort of decks, he knows those kind of uh, conditions pretty well. Um, why wouldn't you have him there as an option, even as a source of information and advice, mm-hmm. uh, even if he wasn't going to play?
0: Another who's picked on the basis, in part, of what they've done in India is Glenn Maxwell. We we foreshadowed this last week that he might mm-hmm. get the gong ahead of Travis Head because he bats right-handed, and they wouldn't want to have a chocker block uh, top six of left-handers, and that. Travis Head would have added to that, and that that seems to have been the prevailing view. He made sixty at the Gabba in a one day against Pakistan on Friday, which (laughs) surely had no influence, but probably had some influence. You know what I mean? You you just get the sense with these things that you know you you can never really rule out.
1: Probably helped a little bit, and I suppose you know pulling out the cheeky reverses and looking pretty (laughs) good against spin. He didn't look so good against spin in Melbourne when he ran past a straight one and got bowled by it. But uh, but nobody did look very
0: good in Melbourne, really. Yeah, we'll certainly turn to that in a moment. But Matt Renshaw was confirmed at the top of the order. I think we can say he's going to open in the first test based on the comments around that selection. Shaw mm-hmm. Marsh is in the media today uh, saying that he may need to find a spot down at number six even, which, I mean, isn't completely crazy because Shaw Marsh played the bulk of his career at number five before mm. he became a makeshift opener a couple of years ago. That, sure. I mean, the idea that Shaw Marsh is a career opener is a bit of a misnomer.
1: But where does that leave you bowling? You know, if, if, you, yeah. want, if you want to have an all-rounder, if you want to have that... That extra, you're either playing an all-rounder down the order with Wade at six or, or you're playing uh, an all-rounder at six.
0: Yeah, or they're leaving Usman Kawaja out, which is, which is something you've mooted before, Jeff. and, you know, yeah. you, it's not completely outside the But if you're going to bring him, you've
1: got to play him. I mean, I'd, I'd, I was more of the opinion that maybe he shouldn't even go on the tour given how badly he struggled in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, maybe he does need this chance to try to redeem himself and, and show that he's a good enough player to learn how to play in those conditions, but trying to do that in test matches rather than, you know, in training is a... A pretty ridiculously difficult feat, but why would they take him in the squad and then not play him in the side?
0: Yeah, it seems likely he'll, he'll play because he's a senior member of this squad, and, and we can't diminish his summer either. That, oh, that, 100, he made, summer. that 100 he made in Adelaide was, was top shelf, and also yep. the, the 97 he made in Perth in the second innings. It's a long time ago now, but you know you build up a certain amount of cachet with performances like mm. that, um, which are considerably more important than the second inning runs he made in, in Melbourne and in in Sydney, the, the more yeah. noteworthy ones when he was trying to save a test in Perth and, and trying to set up a test in Adelaide that you know he, he's earned his opportunity to play. In, it's in, also in not
1: unheard of to get a, a seeming pitch in India. Uh, There's been a couple at Mahali over the years, mm. a couple mm. of green decks you know, when some, some errant curator <laughs> gets the shits <laughs> and decides to just dish up something out of the box. Um, we're playing at a couple of new venues in Pune and Dharamshala, so don't really know what to expect from those as, as test
0: pitches. Although we can predict what the beast I will, will, will want of this. They'll want them to be, you know, your classic raggers which do turn square. I they have to think want it. that's
1: true because I think Coley is against that. My my gut on it is that that was certainly something they've gone to in the past but if you look at the England series earlier this summer they were decent batting pitches. They broke up and spun later in the game but Coley likes scoring runs. He doesn't want to be out there scrapping out and, and trying to make 40 and top scoring for the side. You know, he wants to be making hundreds. He he likes his stats. But this is innocent. Um,
0: we talked about this on, on the pod a couple of weeks ago. England's spinners got derided for their performance in India, but they had to bowl to Kohli, had to Mm -hmm. bowl to Bajara, had to bowl to Murali Vijay. But they
1: bowled on reasonable batting pitches and they made pretty Mm. big scores, um, but India just made bigger scores. But India
0: spinners also ran a mark. At the end, yeah, but more towards
1: the end of matches rather than, you know, England were making 400, 500 in their first innings in in three (laughs) test matches. Um, The spinners came into it later and made sure that they couldn't close out games, but there was still opportunity to score runs first. And I think those are the kind of wickets that Vera Coley, as the captain, will be wanting. And he probably gets what he wants. I mean, if, you, if anybody saw that game the other day, the, the <laughs> 100 that he made against England chasing 350, when they were what, four for about 60. Um, and he comes out and makes one of the most ridiculous hundreds I've ever seen. There are shots in that that don't have names. And they weren't sort of Glenn Maxwell-style, completely made-up, harebrained, like just jammed together with super glue sort of shots. They were They were classical, and yet, completely new. He was somehow like driving bouncers over mid-wicket, like <laughs> it, it, impossible stuff. Um, it, he's got this incredible aura about him at the moment. And I think they have to do what Colley says.
0: Yeah. The stuff we were accustomed to seeing him doing the IPL last year when he was just on another planet really wasn't yeah. in the world T20 as well, but that's a tour that Australia leave for in a couple of weeks. They go to a training camp in, uh, in the UAE, they go through to Mumbai for a practice match and they start their first test match in Pune on the 23rd of February, I'll be there covering that, so I look forward to uh, recording a podcast somehow with you, Jeff, Yes. when I'm over there, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work through that when the time's right. But we'll, I'm looking
1: we'll, forward to the puns too, your Pune resistance <laughs> will not stand against the might of India.
0: I've noted that some are calling it Pune, I'm not sure whether it's Pune or Pune, so I'm, that, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to getting around to eventually, because it was Dominica or Dominica when I was there a yeah. couple of years ago, and that really did my head in as well. So,
1: Well, um, yes, Caribbean and Caribbean. Yeah, well, there you go. Who, do, who, knows? Potato, who knows?
0: Potato, potato. Yeah.
1: Tomato, no, tomato. No one's ever said says, potato. I was going to say literally. exactly
0: the same thing. On, I think we've talked about this before, probably after us <laughs> dozen awesome beers at some stage. Uh, in let, let, in let, the English <laughs> language, but
1: literally nobody has ever rocked up. If they do, you know that they're a Russian spy who hasn't quite got things right. And they're like, <laughs> they almost got the accent down. There's some sleeper agent who's been living in like Milwaukee for 30 years. Yeah. And then potato, that's the thing that slips
0: them up. Yeah. he heard the song once or twice when he was, yep. he was out in his training camp to become a spy. Uh, and, uh, and there he goes. Right. I'm going to change color of ball here, Jeff. We're going to talk about the first two one day internationals played in Brisbane last Friday and Melbourne mm-hmm. on the Sunday uh, in the first of those two rubbers played at the Gabba Australia made 268 and that was enough. And I guess the main talking points there were that Australia slumped to five for 78 early on. It was a, Unimpressive performance from the top order before it was consolidated by Maxwell and then ultimately Matthew Wade, who made his first One Day International hundred and did so in fine fashion, bringing it up with the final ball of the innings—a hundred even from a hundred balls.
1: Yeah, played a gem, really, uh, Matt Wade. He—you kind of wonder if we could just get him to wear the yellow clothes when he goes out for the test matches in <laughs> India and <you> know, <laughs> might
0: make things. Maybe he could wear the – I've got to do a flip on this. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, they showed on, during the rain in one of those rain delays during the summer, okay. the Australia-England 1990-91 yep. Ashes test match match. Uh, and and one of the clips from that, which I remember fondly as a kid, was Terry Alderman coming out to bat, in his in his, in his gold lid. He wore his yellow helmet out to bat in the Test match. <laughs> so maybe we can get around it with that flip. If, if there's a precedent there, yep. um, I, I think we can we can do this. Obviously, of course, Java me and Dad batting in a you know I love New York hat um, against Australia in 1988. <laughs> so there is there we, we can uh, we, we we can have some fun with this. So maybe we give we send Matthew Wade over to India with his gold lid.
1: Yep. Or maybe he just wears the one day uniform under the whites. <laughs> you know. Like, Sort of like a kid wearing his cricket clothes to bed under the pajamas. Can't bear to take them off. But he'll know. Like, no, it won't be obvious on the outside, but he'll know. We go, Maddie, you're still wearing them. It's (laughs) fine. It's fine, just, just, just imagine, you know, just put on some sunglasses that change the colour of the ball to white, you know. He, he, um, he's just a different player yeah, in I the was format say, is what a, I'm getting
0: a, at. A, but also, like, to be fair to Matthew Wade, and he's not someone who we've always, you know, had, had, a, had a, we've not been his biggest fans, let's, let's be honest. Uh, um, I, I, I remember last, I'd love
1: to see him succeed. It's like, a, you know, almost any player I criticise, I'd love to see them succeed. Yeah, but I think in the, You've the narrative... You've got to be realistic it, it, about what they're able to do. You know,
0: it's in the national conversation. I, I went and had the great pleasure of watching Roger Federer play last night and a ball went um, lobbing into the crowd and the, and the chap dropped. It. and someone goes oh nice one weighty and everyone started laughing <laughs> now what does that tell me it's in it's in it's in the national conversation that he didn't go too well with the mitts on but anyway he did bat extremely well so let's use this as an opportunity to expect and he, and he also batted really well in Sri Lanka in the one days now again that's I true. know I know we're not these aren't like for likes but yep. I, I just feel like maybe this might be the time that he I don't, I don't know it's against all logic maybe for this, this will summer. be the
1: making of him Something as a like man that.
0: <laughs> I well I, certainly as a as a contributor to the lower order because mm-hmm. he's not done that for a long time true
1: and that was important look i think the interesting thing with uh, is that Pakistan won easily in Melbourne, really bat oh, and yeah. ball. Um, they should have won easily in Brisbane. They really should have had Australia out for a similar score, maybe two ten, two twenty, and chased it with ease. In the end, they were chasing, you know, nearly two seventy, and they just let Australia get away. But they couldn't get the last couple of wickets. They let Stark make runs. Yep. They let Stanlake not make runs, but be part of the partnership and get weighed through to that last ball. So Australia batted the full fifty overs when they really should have been bowled out well short of that. Yeah, well they. Um, but up then they learned right. from that, and they came back and and did it much better and did it harder in the next game out.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. let's we'll go one step at a time. So 92 runs was the final margin, and you're right, Jeff. They, it was a classic Pakistan performance on this tour in that yeah. once the incision was made, it never looked like they were going to recover from that. And James Faulkner was the principal weapon there, taking four for 32. Cummins took three. Yep. Bold, quick. Yep. bold, quick. Pat Cummins on Friday night. That's the exciting... That's, that's probably my main takeout so far of this one-day series. It's that you know putting the results from that way to one side is that mm-hmm. Cummins is. Um, um, I don't want to go too over the top or anything here, but he's he is found himself as it were. He's mm-hmm. not running in and um, and and getting a trundle just because they want to bring him up to speed at international level. He's more than holding his own and, and looking threatening every time he has a ball in his hand. Yeah, he's Cummins round the mountain. It certainly is. Um,
1: <laughs> but uh, look, that that is exciting, and he's had a few good performances in the the Big Bash as well. Yeah, bat and ball looks looks pretty. Well, he could, be, he could be a number seven now.
0: I mean, he's batting number six. He batted, did he bat six foot of thunder, one of those? I think he did one of those fixtures. And you can see a world where, at white ball level at the very least, he could be shuffled around a little bit because he hits mm-hmm. the ball a long way. We saw him make a, a first-class 80-odd at North Hance last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about that game earlier today. Funny, that comes up twice in the same conversation, so some well, obscure Who could debris. ever forget
1: the uh, the two-day tour match at Northants? It was largely rained out, and <laughs> Stephen Crook slayed the Australian side all it, over uh, Wantage Road. I know
0: cookies are a listener to the final words, so if you're listening out there, you, you never legend, forget. We never forget you. <laughs> um, okay, second one day I was at the MCG, and actually, this was interesting for... It may have been lost with the team sheets. Yep. Um, you sometimes see that, uh, um, that that after the fact, you're, oh, gee, that we should have known, but this was a slow... Tacky track for the most part, and, and mm-hmm. Pakistan benefited from that. They they did well with the well, new they ball early, it really. Yeah. yeah, well, they took four wickets with the new ball, which was, was admirable. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get something out of it. Um, you Kawaja know, nicked off, yep. likewise Warner. Smith um, Smith was the man having to hold the innings together. And Mitchell Marsh played a terrible shot, caught it short cover, which exposed him to a lot of scrutiny. But it was the slow man mm-hmm. who tied Smith down um, initially with, um, I guess it was Maxwell, and ultimately yep. with Wade, who they couldn't get him away. Or they couldn't get them away, I should say, and had the biggest influence on the result. Yes, I felt.
1: Smith was obviously obviously thinking just go deep and and cash in later. He was 60 off 100 odd balls um, and he was happy just to sort of get into that the back end of the innings and then go for it except as soon as he tried to go for it he got himself bowled um, yeah. so I think the really interesting thing for me here is that Pakistan learned from their experience in Brisbane and put it into action in Melbourne now change of captains as well Azhar Ali did his hamstring yes. during the Brisbane match and Mohammad Hafiz had to step in for Melbourne and he's a little bit more aggressive but what was interesting is that in so in both matches Mohammad Amir particularly bowled beautifully first up in Brisbane took wickets was dangerous like he was all over David Warner it was something that the kind of thing we would have wanted to see in the test series, but mm. but didn 't he had you know Warner could not get a run off him through about three different overs and then eventually um, just ripped through his defenses. He took those early wickets there, the spinners clamped down in the middle overs, and then towards the end they took the spinners off for those last ten overs or so, brought the pace bowlers back on, and Wade cashed in, went to town, made runs. In this game in, in Melbourne, they delayed the reintroduction of the seamers until the last probably four overs, I think it was. Maybe yeah. five or six. Um, but they really, they kept, they bowled more spin overs. They they bowled more tight, tidy overs. And they just kept that uh, kept that scoring rate down and eventually worked
0: through the batting line. Yeah, it was 24 of 48.2 overs. So yeah, just on half was, was spin. And it included bringing Shoaib Malik on. I mean, Shoaib Malik... Uh, who debuted 17 years ago. And knows a, a bit about how to bowl on the death. And he was mm-hmm. bowling into the last 10, which is, un- yeah. and you, you didn't expect him to play that well, role on this side.
1: They, yeah, and that is what they did that was different to Brisbane. Imad was in, bowled later yeah. as well. Um, you know, a couple of really, like, ridiculously economical spells for him just coming sure. to the side, and, and he's handy with the bat as well. And her
0: fees only went for 45 from his 10. He pushed yep. those through. He's one of those guys, he bowls his overs in 75 seconds. You yeah, do, he's the he's David just, Hussey style. He of, just gets to the mark and just, and just bowls these little darts, and it's very hard to um, get on top of him early in and over. So um, it was a fine performance to hold Australia to 220 all out with uh, 10 overs, 10 balls, rather, to go yep. that they missed after being bowled out. Um, and then and finally, finally
1: not go silly with the chase, basically, that... Um, the Pakistan coming into chase can fall over, but they managed to uh, stay sensible, not try to push the rate too much um, and and just. You know, keep finding the runs as they came along rather than going after them.
0: Yeah, there was a couple of things here so Muhammad Hafiz was dropped in the first over by Steve Smith uh, uh, right in the bread basket um, before scoring. Now that mm-hmm. catch is taken, it's a different game of cricket I'd imagine Hafiz made 72, Shajil made 29 but more importantly were the 68 they put on together. And Babar as soon as he got his opportunity he looked fluent and very beautiful in terms of that on drive he has in his weaponry there, he's a he's a stunning player. Um, but they did lose two wickets in a hurry on 140 and then, then 142 uh, Babar and Muhammad Afiz, who played a, a filthy slog, which should have undid a great day of work for him, I felt at the time. It opened the door for Australia, but this time also um,
1: also Babar just missed out on on a record there. He it did, would have yeah. been the fastest uh, to a thousand runs in terms of innings. If missed he, out by about
0: forty runs, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he needed to get eighty one, I think. So right. he, yeah, forty forty five short. Um, but if he gets that in his next innings, he'll equal the record. I think it's Viv Richards' record. Wow. Um, which is a bad it. record when you
0: think about how much one day cricket's played yeah absolutely uh, and then Australia did have their opportunity at that stage but we mentioned before show Malik's experience over 17 years and he showed that smashing the Australians from the get go putting Josh Hazelwood back over his head he saw it through 42 not out and Umar Akmal, likewise, at the end, he was there on eighteen. So a fairly, uh, a fairly um, emphatic win there for Pakistan, winning uh, by six wickets with the better part of three overs remaining. And more importantly, it's their first win on tour. We said they may not win a game out here. I know mm-hmm. I certainly said that, but yep. it was it showed a, it showed something. And I, I like your point before, Jeff, about Mohammad Amir. It's like it took him a while to, um, to to have an influence on a game the way he did, but he did here, and it's belated, but it's welcome. Mm. And you
1: know, maybe he's got. Uh, he, he's sort of finally broken through. I thought he'd be spent by the end of this tour, but, but perhaps the shorter format suits him, where he's able to have that influence. You know, early in the game, a bit like like Mitchell Stark found it much easier to bowl in one day cricket for a long time um, rather than the open expanses of tests. But can I get your opinion? Is is Omar Akmal like the worst cricketer to consistently get a gig? How does he still have a job? Oh yeah, he's he, been. He must be he's I mean, just
0: a horrible. I'm trying to think about player
1: in terms of his his complete lack of application. His Like the way that he he was not out at the end in Melbourne the other night but he just came out and had a bit of a slog you know hit a few away got away with it but that was fine because they only needed a handful to win but the way he played in, in Brisbane as well just you know coming out and Again, just having a a filthy bash around of the ball, and um, he just doesn't seem to care.
0: Not really in keeping with that side they put together around Misbah in in the long form. Is he's been in and out of that side for? I'm taking a quick look at his uh, numbers here over over the course of seven years. Never really able to establish himself. Probably played more one day cricket than you'd expect with a record with just a couple of hundred. So, yeah, he's um, he's a
1: devastating talent, but he's such a lazy player.
0: Only 26, though, uh, so maybe this might be, you know, he's still got time to turn into something a bit yeah, later on.
1: maybe. I don't know. I, I think if you were... I'm just surprised at the kind of new Pakistan, the, the, the Mizbar era where it's all about accountability and responsibility and, and doing the right things for the team. And, and even their sort of looser players like Wahab Riaz and so on, they're still mm. they're still very much team men. They're not... They're not out there for themselves. And, and Omar Akmal is a real throwback to that sort of completely irresponsible of Freedy sort of era where it's just all about you. Um, and, I mean, you wouldn't really want any Akmals in your team, is it, you know... No. Just some uh, dubious history around <laughs> some, some various doubts raised about uh, certain matches that um, his brother Cameron played in, and I just, I just all of those things combined. I'm surprised that he's still a feature on the international scene.
0: I wouldn't mind seeing Shahid Afridi come back, though. I think he's stuck on 399 one-day internationals, if memory serves me correctly. So get him <laughs> out here for the last couple, the last three indeed. They are at Perth on Thursday, Sydney on Sunday. Not what they need. I I wish wish you'd come back. And it wraps up on Australia Day. (laughs) Have a bit of fun, Jeff. (laughs) We had a bit of fun for 399 games. I'm always saying you don't want to have fun, Jeff. I'm always (laughs) saying it about you. And the series finishes and Pakistan's tour finishes in Adelaide on Australia Day. This is The
1: Final Word with ABC Grandstand.
0: Final Word, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. We're going to do big bash chat now. First of all, with the women, around where eight games were played. Six of the eight teams won one and lost one. The Scorchers won two and lost none. And the Strikers languishing at the bottom of the table, now eliminated from the competition. They lost both of their fixtures. But let's start with the marquee game. It was the game on television. It was a super over. It was a Sydney smash. It was the Thunder and the Sixers. It was a super over that was tied, Jeff. You couldn't (laughs) ask for a better product, really, in terms of what we've been hoping we'd see on television for the Women's Big Bash League. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, when you have a tied tiebreak that's and then you tie that and tie it again. I mean, they should have just kept going. Why not just have infinite super overs until somebody wins?
0: Before we get into the actual game itself, I just want to give Channel 10 a pat on the back. So this game was scheduled to finish in time for their 5pm Saturday night news, a big deal for, for a commercial network, their, mm-hmm. their news bulletin on a weekend, one of the most watched shows all week. And they've made a decision to keep the cricket going until about 10 past 5 to watch that super over. The easy thing would have been to have said, you know, jump on the website and watch the end there. But they, they went all the way through. And I think that, again, speaks volumes about the maturity of this competition. That those sort of editorial decisions are being made as well.
1: Yeah, great stuff that uh, audiences are able to get hold of it, and uh, exciting times it was. I was, particularly seeing um, Kim Garth get a run. The Irish rookie. Wasn't she
0: fantastic? And she bowled beautifully, and she oh. bowled
1: the super over. I mean, they they handed her the super over. Now she's. I mean, she's a very good player, but but she. Wasn't really, you know, a shout to make the team until a couple of uh, absences with the South African players well, leaving.
0: Well, she, she was the Irish rookie, so I mean, she's with due respect to the program, and it's a very good program. You're not anticipating your rookies from the associate nations to play, and they've promoted her, and, and, and she's got. And I know she's probably would, in a a it maybe of a category. sneak in
1: for a game here or there that may not matter, but but to play a crucial role in a A crucial game like that. And it
0: could have been more. She took one wicket in in defending the 138, the sixes that earlier put on the board. But let's deal with Garth first. She took one wicket but had three drop catches, including one off her own bowling. Um, Alyssa Healy dropped one behind the wicket, which she probably should have taken. There was one at mid off as well. So, uh, all told, it could have been a a very profitable day for her. And Elise Perry Mm. showed plenty of guts in chucking the ball to her. And when you think about it, Elise Perry really should be taking that over herself nine times out of ten with her vast international experience bowling Mm. at crucial times for Australia. But she's gone, no, no, the informed bowler today is is the yep. Irish first gamer or second gamer, I think it was actually. We're going to show faith in her. And she delivered. Not a single boundary hit off her in that, in that super over, bowled every ball right on the money. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't enough to get them over the line, but it, but, it, but it showed a lot. And what I thought at the time was that she's very quickly making herself indispensable. So you can imagine a scenario where uh, Mary Kapp and Darno Vanneker come back into the mm. squad for the finals and they go, well, we have to find room for Kim Garth because yeah. if she's going to bowl that well, they'll need her in the finals. That's
1: right. And, I mean, you know, perhaps it was part of the thinking was that, that Perry knew that uh, the batsman facing her would would know her bowling a lot better and, and maybe Kim Garth would be something unfamiliar and, and be a bit harder to get away. But uh, regardless of the tactical considerations, a fair old performance to come in as sort of the understudy's understudy and then steal the show.
0: Once again, it was uh, Ashley Gardner who was the star of the show for the Sixers coming in after Alyssa Healy was out for five and Perry was caught and bowled for 20. So Gardner made 54 of 41. She's been a revelation this season, Jeff. She hit three sixes and looks to be on another level completely to the value. Bulk of players in this tournament.
1: Supreme confidence, her second half century after breaking through on that milestone front a, a couple of games ago, not far back. And she's going to be playing in the, uh, the NICC, the Indigenous Carnival up in Alice Springs in February as well, I think representing New South Wales in in that side. So it'll be exciting to see how she goes up there.
0: She put on 65 with Sarah McGlashan, her trusty, reliable number four there, the who made there. 30. They, she actually was Stumps McGlashan by... Alex Blackwell, who was standing in as keeper for, for mm-hmm. Claire Koski, who was dropped, actually.
1: Alex Blackwell can do everything,
0: though. Well, yeah, I think she can, yeah. She's skippering this side as well. But she, she called McGlashan back because yeah. she felt she'd obstructed her, which, again, you, that's, a, that's a very unusual piece of sportsmanship there.
1: And it was some solid keeping. It's like a you know, a sort of defensive shot. The ball drops just behind the batsman there. Blackwell's around from behind the stumps, picks it up, and backhands it onto the stumps without looking. So it was a pretty great piece of feeling. But, but in doing so, she'd, yeah, she'd impeded... Uh, McGlashan's route to get back into a crease and so said, no, no, don't worry about it, I'll pull the appeal.
0: The Thunder were in complete control in the chase, principally due to Stefani Taylor. She made mm-hmm. 68 batting deep into the innings, just 51 balls, a couple of sixes doing as she pleased the West Indian International. Had support from Alex Blackwell and Harman Preet Kaur, who's um, we reported last week is going to be leaving the competition uh, at the end of the regular season, but there may not be a postseason for the Thunder, but we'll come to that later. Um, they had their chances, we mentioned before, but it went all the way to the, the last over where uh, um, a cool head was shown by Lauren Smith, the spinner bowling to Aaron Osborne and Naomi Stallenberg. Um, they scored eight off her, but no boundaries. So mm. I guess a boundary would have broken the game open for the Thunder and, and, and finished it. But they they brought it into a super over. It was it was some you know good solid bowling from someone that's made a name for herself in this in this competition as well.
1: Right. So you've got your super over. You've got. Kim Garth bowling as we said doesn't give away a boundary you know they got eight runs off it but uh, that just doesn't look like it's going to be enough in in this sort of intensive end of a T20 game
0: yeah and it was the second over consecutively so the 20th over of regular play and the first over of the super over where there were no boundary score at all and then Healy goes out and smashes one first ball they've only got five runs to win they've got five balls to do it in that they look like they're going to cruise at home but then she gets herself run out running to the non striker's end she thinks the throw is going to the keeper doesn't ground her bat it looks terrible on tape
1: yeah I mean she's just kind of watching the ball expecting it to go past her to the other end because you know, that was more likely to be where a run out was going to occur and, and in doing so pulled up short and sort of was standing just out of her crease almost when she could have just reached out and been home. Instead the throw goes to her end, gone and then uh, Perry holes out shortly afterwards.
0: Yeah and, then, and I think Reeks was run out so they did two runs off the last ball. Ash Gardner, our hero from earlier in the day and she can't do it. A good bit of bowling at the death. Counting back on boundaries that meant the Thunder got over the line and kept their season alive. Uh-huh. Uh, I think uh, it used to be based on Oh, I don't really know what it used to be. But was, there was another way Wicket, of calculating wickets fallen. How many wickets, wickets fallen, you lost but, in the regular? But, but, but whatever it is, the new system is how many boundaries in regulation, if you like, and that was the that was the thunder. So they. I also like to... that the
1: new system is you can lose as many wickets as you want because yeah. it used to be two wickets in a super over. It did yeah, and then they're batting at three down. I am thinking so. You could actually lose six wickets in a super
0: over if you really tried hard enough. So the thunder season was alive and last night. Oh, well, sorry, Monday night. I should say when. And the, if uh... they
1: were all run outs, you could get be like six for fifteen. I, I, love, just... I love.
0: how this compels you. I know, we we changed multiple text messages about this, Jeff and I. <laughs> I'm going to take you behind the fourth wall here. Jeff is fascinated by the idea of six wickets six in an over in a super so then, over.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, six wickets in an over in any over would be great. <laughs> but in a super, imagine if they're all run it. So it's like you, you're going for a three, you run the first two and you run I out promise you I promise you yeah. yeah. I, ma- I have
0: imagined imagine it because you've painted a very evocative picture. I have imagined it. imagined <laughs> it. 12 for six
1: after six balls. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Right. Make it happen,
0: someone. Thunder. Back on track not ask were, for much. To an extent. They had to play the Hurricanes down at Bell Review Oval and they weren't able to do it. Uh, even yeah. uh, Stefani Taylor was. Um, out first ball that she faced to Jules Hunter, one of our favourites on the final word. Um, they are still doing pretty well though, but um, but they couldn't get beyond uh, 115 uh, due to some excellent bowling from probably one of the informed cricketers on the planet right now, and Amy Satterthwaite. Uh, she took five for 17, uh, including Stellenberg and Farrell, and she picked up both Haynes and Blackwell earlier as well. Blackwell, who made 49, that was the crucial partnership of the Thunder innings. So Satterthwaite is doing it with both bat and ball at the moment. The uh, the uh, Hurricanes are able to knock that off relatively easily with Heather Knight, the England skipper, finishing with 34 not out.
1: Yeah, Satterthwaite's just kind of ridiculous at the moment. Uh, does everything, does what she wants. So 13 wickets for the season so far with that fiver. Her first uh, five-wicket haul, we've had a couple in the comp
0: now. Actually, they're both been from the Hurricanes because yeah, the other Matthews. one was Haley Matthews bowling her off spin the week before as well. So two batting all-rounders, principally, have ended up mm-hmm. with a pair of fifers. As we mentioned the Sixers before uh, having beat the Hurricane, having beat rather the uh, the Renegades. The, no, let's get first things first. No, they, they, beat the the they beat the Thunder. They beat the Thunder. But earlier too in the many week, teams. Th- they also beat the Hurricanes, or oh, sorry, I yep. should say, in the third of that little um, trish, they beat the Hurricanes uh, t- for their, I think it was their fifth win in a row to begin the round uh, on the Friday night there at North Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Perry who made sixty. No one else was over. 16, but they didn't need to. With the ball, they were never really in the hunt, the Hurricanes. Knight made 31, later on Hall made 42, but there was no real muscle from their lower order. I want to note there, though, that Sarah Ailey uh, took 3 for 20 and I had a quick look at the wicket tally uh, before we came on air today. She's got 19 wickets at 13 at an economy rate of 5.63. That's the most wickets in the comp by a couple. That's it's kind of came from nowhere.
1: That's right, and she doesn't take fourfers, she doesn't take fifers. You know, she chips in with her sort of 2, 1, maybe a 3 here and there which it's easy to overlook her, but she's uh, remarkably consistent. A bit like Mauna Nielsen last Mm. season, the the first big bash. Didn't get talked about at all and ended up uh, one of the top wicket takers in the comp.
0: So the Hurricanes won one, lost one. The Sixers won one, lost one. The Scorchers won both of theirs. Now, they were... Uh, they, they were They were dominant uh, in both of their performances mm. this weekend over in Perth at the WACA, uh, They chased down one hundred and twenty from the ailing strikers, the strikers struggling once more. lottie made thirty one and Tammy Beaumont made twenty seven so serviceable from their two England internationals, but nothing much around but almost them the there. only
1: game in which they have been i mean tammy beaumont hasn 't made a run that 's that. right
0: i don 't think tammy i don 't think Tammy will reflect too well upon uh, her time out in australia this year it 's been an absolute shocker um, in the chase uh, Megan shoot picked up. Bates early for two, but they were really no chance thereafter. It was the old firm, Valani 27, Bolton, 33. Heather Graham, 39, not out mm-hmm. of 30 balls. I just want to make a point of Heather Graham as well. She's had a tremendous tournament with bat and ball. She played for Australia, a the shooting stars, over the winter. She can't be far away from an Australian start and a senior cap, I reckon, in that all-rounder position, medium paces, hits the ball hard, makes runs it better than a runner ball. She might be one of these players that bounces out of the WBBL very quickly into international consideration. Well,
1: yeah, if, uh, if Cameron Crowe's on the selection panel, she'll be straight in. <laughs> but
0: um... we, we could do that. We could do that again. We've done it before. We could do it again. Can't like... help it. I just can't help it. Don't expect me to. I'm never going to stop. You know that. Yeah, Well, hopefully we get Dirk Nannis on the podcast at some point uh, and uh, we can try and tie this all together in, in a little bow on top. The Scorchers knocked off the Stars in their second fixture at the beautiful lilac. Kill. They were never in doubt there either. Um, even though Vellani was out early, and as was Bolton and Bates, they found another way home. This time it was Lauren Ebsery who made forty-five not out. She's been a very, very good recruit. And as if you don't mind, the Barnsley Express, Catherine Brunt smashed thirty-two in fourteen balls, just because she could. Meg Lanning was back in the side. Well, she came back in their first fixture, but she was there as well. And she only made 12. Uh, and as we know, when Meg Lanning doesn't make runs, the Stars don't win. Uh, after their 20 overs, it was pretty grim. They only made 97. So the Stars lost that game. Although it is quite hard against Brunt and Shrubsole, the two best fast bowlers in the world.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, particularly sort of death bowling, particularly just really putting the pressure on dotting up players. And as we've noted a few times, the Stars have been better this year when, when Lanning hasn't fired, but... Uh, they've really sort of fallen away towards the the second half of the season after... Some promising stuff at the beginning, so they,
0: they they did get a win up. I should note they did beat the Strikers yeah, in their second earlier in the, the weekend. Strikers. Yeah, they did the double over them, but they're the only two wins they've had in their last six. So they made 125 yeah. against the Strikers and held them to just 88. Indeed, they bowled them out for 88, and that was with Lanning Alley making 17. So maybe that belies what I said before. But yeah, the, uh, Jess
1: Cameron made some runs there, but the the pressure against Adelaide Strikers isn't there. I mean, they've been absolutely awful this year. If if Sophie Devine hasn't made a, a massive score, and she, you know she's made a few, but they've been relying on her entirely.
0: Yeah, so Charlotte Edwards made 30 so she's had a couple of good scores over the weekend but um, it was probably the most significant thing that happened there was uh, the six for 25 that were lost in the last five overs from Melbourne, giving the, the strikers some chance. But as you said before, um, they weren't able to turn it on. Tammy Beaumont, just five on that occasion. Kristen Beams took three for 11. She was the captain in the, in the previous game, but back to being uh, part of uh, Lanning's side, she was performing, as was Triscari, with three more wickets. She's had a very good tournament. Triscari, she's sitting well up there on the wicket-taking list as well. She's taken 12 at an average of 18, so mm. she's had a very good tournament. So the
1: strikers are gone. We can consider them interred. Yes. Uh, Their their run rate's shot, and they're on four points after uh, playing what? Seven, no, nine matches. How many games? No, they no, played? no. The
0: strikers have played all, but they've all played twelve now, so they're out of the tournament with there eight points. Seven, yeah, only sorry. won three games yeah. from, and they lost. Uh, they they had two games rained out as well, so their, their points total is slightly inflated by the fact they had a couple of no result That's points right. added onto their total. Yeah, Let's so keep moving forward to the Brisbane Heat. There's another side in the middle of the table who, um, who, who you know, what do they say? The old uh, uh, flatter to deceive, if you like. Every time we think they're going to really push for a top four spot, they they fall back a bit. And it was another game, another weekend of that. Here they had a a pretty decent win against the Renegades keeping it to just 102. Jess Jonathan, another player I was thinking, she's had a fairly quiet BBL, but she took three for 12 here and had a, had a really important contribution there, um, knocking over Danny White first ball and then yeah. picking up, uh, I think, uh, Grace Harris was also out first ball later. But nonetheless, she she was crucial. And I had a look at a wicket-taking list. She's yeah, taken she's, she's taken 17. Yeah, so I guess she's been very consistent with ones and twos rather than big bags as well.
1: She hasn't made a lot of runs is, I think, the issue. And we're, we're used to thinking of Jonathan Moore as a... Uh, more with the bat after that, that beautiful test match 98 that she made in, right. in Canterbury last last not even last year 2015 two yeah years ago. Jesus um, yeah so she's what one hundred and seventy run one runs at 19 is not a very good return for a player of her calibre with the bat one who
0: is performing for the Heat now more consistently is Beth Mooney she made 45 off 39 balls at the top of the list they made short work of that chase the Heat but they did lose their other fixture of the weekend so the Heat uh, had mm-hmm. to play the Renegades uh, a second time and they were probably in decent shape before the rain, but the gades required just 102 from 15 overs despite the Heat making 125 there at AB Field. Um, Strano uh, did well to take three early wickets. She picked up Mooney, then Short, then Jonathan. They were 5 for 49 at halfway, the Heat, so they kind of struggled their way through. Um, Lusa Kimmins made 39 and top scored there, sort of saved the day somewhat. But the uh, Renegades have done well chasing once more here. Rachel Priest made 44. They promoted Grace Harris, who made 19. And they did it kind of easy. They won with seven wickets to spare with um, Danny White making some runs at the end. So I guess their, their season remains mathematically alive, Jeff.
1: Yeah, uh, the Renegades nine and a half points thanks to the half point deduction of the ludicrous Cricket Australia <laughs> uh, point shaving policy for overrates, which they only apply to women's cricket and not to men's cricket. So uh, sort yourselves out there. It's an absolute joke. Uh, but yeah, nine and a half points is what they're currently on, should be 10. But So if they won their last two games, big ask against the Sixers, um, you know, tough draw. But if they win those two, then they need three other teams, out of th- three teams who are above them, they need two of them to lose their last two. So those are the Hurricanes. The stars and the Heat. If two of those three teams lose both of their games coming into the last weekend, the Heat won't because they're playing the Strikers, but the Stars could against the Hurricanes. Um, so if, if if basically if the Stars split it uh, with the Hurricanes, the Renegades are screwed. But if either the Hurricanes or the Stars can. Uh, uh, can, can get a, a double there, and then the unlikely thing of the Strikers winning too, the Renegades come back.
0: I guess the broader point here is seven teams are in contention coming into the final weekend. Only the Adelaide Strikers are, are mathematically... Uh, ruled out of making the final four, which is a really good sign for this competition. So that last weekend, as you mentioned there, Jeff, the Sixers are hosting the Renegades for two fixtures at North Sydney. Uh, So the best team in the comp there, the Sixers, they're well ahead on top of the ladder. They will play finals, definitely from where they are now, but whether they have the motivation to, I guess, win those last two games, we will see. Um, The Heat and the Strikers play twice at the Gabba. Um, From fifth, the Heat, only really probably need to win one game although they'd want to win two to to lock it down Um, whereas the Strikers obviously are out of contention. The Scorchers and the Thunder play twice at Lilac Hill Um, the Scorchers are pretty much there already on 14 points, they're sitting in second the Thunder again mathematically they could make it, they're on 10 points but like you said before Jeff they need a whole slew of events to to go their way uh, across the board there and then we've got the uh, final games of the round, the Hurricanes and the Stars two games on Friday and Saturday at Bell Reve Oval, the Hurricanes similar to the heat they'd like to probably just win one more to lock up their finals berth they're currently sitting in third Melbourne stars though Jeff they might be the ones to miss out Mm, they'd be be the one most likely to miss out just just
1: the way they're tracking at the moment um you know, the wheels have fallen off this season. They, they did play fairly well towards the start and then they've lost it, as we mentioned, so I wouldn't be at all surprised.
0: The I mean, Brisbane Heat will lose the service of Smitri mandana for the finals if they make it, which is significant. She took wickets again this week. She hasn't made a lot of runs, but the Indian International and likewise harman Kaur were able to report that they're both... Are going to be leaving in order to play to to train rather in a training camp ahead of the ICC World Cup qualification tournament in February. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on that, Jeff?
1: Seems a bit weird to get pulled out for training when you could be playing really competitive cricket against some of the best players in the world. Wouldn't that be better preparation?
0: Yeah, it's not without precedent for Australia to do likewise. Um, you know, in terms of what happened in the first IPL many, many moons ago. I'm informed. I don't remember that, but I gather Australian players were pulled out of that first tournament for this. But jumping that forward, was generally
1: for Test series, though. Wasn't yeah, it?
0: but I mean, I guess this is like you know, this is this is an odd an odd thing to occur, and, and it's. Probably just a bit disappointing, really, that this, that it came to this. They're they're, they're uh, taking up their opportunity through the no objection certificates, where mm-hmm. any home board can pull their player at sure. any time they see fit. And I, Which get, is I not get, unreasonable
1: I, given that they might miss qualification. I mean, what what's really disappointing is that India's women's team played so poorly that their qualification is in doubt. You yeah, know, that's they should true. have been an automatic go through and. Uh, and they played some great cricket you know 18 months ago but really fell away after that
0: Yeah it, it is, it, well it's a bit of a segue here but I do like that only four teams did qualify automatically from the ICC uh, championship over the last two years because it does mean this qualifying tournament coming up in February in Sri Lanka is very interesting, yeah, South Africa are also having to come the hard way as well, that's why their two players Marizanne Kapp and Darno Vanderkirk, are playing against Bangladesh in a series that previously wasn't scheduled um, yeah. because they want to get more cricket ahead of them before they play in that, in that tournament too So, and Harman it may not be an issue because it doesn't look like a Thunder are going to qualify, but she was probably the biggest recruit into the competition this year and, and she will miss if they do make it through. Uh, So that's a bit disappointing as well. Basically, the the push for this has been that they're looking at trying to have a dedicated window uh, where women's women's big bash league is isolated and taken out of competition with uh, all the other international cricket going around. So at least that conversation is now being had, whereas before it was probably well off into the future. This might bring it forward somewhat. This is The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. ABC Grandstand. Final word, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Final segment here, we're going to talk about the Big Bash League for the blokes as well. We saw it Fantastic chase in the middle of last week between the Renegades and the Hurricanes. Hunting down 222 did the Hurricanes, and they did it on the last ball through Stuart Broad. I don't think we'll forget that in a hurry.
1: Well, through Stuart Broad as well. (laughs) I mean, getting popular with at least a handful of Australians, which no one uh, (laughs) predicted. So, yeah, the 222 was a record score um, for the Renegades, and then it wasn't a record score after the second innings. Um, A lot of, you know, Big Bash games are highly enjoyable, but you don't necessarily remember them. 10 minutes later, they're a bit like Tim Tams or something. You sort of, you look at a pack and you're like, Jesus, did I get through 10 of those already? And then you're on to the 11th. Um, but, you know, in this case, this is the one that will stand out. You know, this is the one that that had like a, a tooth inside it or an old key or something, you know, like, <laughs> a, a bit of a mouse. Like, it's the one you're going to remember, um, not necessarily for pleasant reasons for the Renegades. Yeah, but, you mentioned uh, the broad bit what at the end. Game.
0: Well, he comes in with 14, 14 runs required with four balls to go and there's a three wides to start, then there's a scratchy two. Would Shouldn't have been a
1: wide either. No, that was that's a dodgy right. call.
0: Yeah, then, then then there was the then there was the the, uh, the 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 bunt to third man, or not the bunt really. It was a slip drive down to third man mm-hmm. for four, um, freeing it up to the last ball. Well, it was a
1: nice one off the pads for four before there that. They sort yep. of clobbered that one over square leg. Then then Nick's through uh, through slip, which of course is empty, and then gets a leading edge over uh, over cover.
0: Great celebration, too. They they really loved it. And they deserved to win that game after the innings that was played by McDermott earlier. 114 off 52 balls, put on 151. In 13 overs with George Bailey, yeah. who was a relative sheet anchor with 59. I mean, he, all he did was turn the strike over, he played the perfect role, Bailey. Yeah, he was just
1: tapping it around, and I couldn't believe I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying, Oh, Bailey only, you know, 59 or 50, not fast enough or something. He just got singles, and the other guy was was then munting, you know, 20
0: off the rest of the overs. G- so, what do you want? Gives you a sense of how the game's changed every Renegades bowler in the first innings. Uh, every uh, sorry, every Hurricanes bowler, rather, um, had a runs per over of greater than nine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you extrapolate that out, yep. I mean, you think about the way we used to think about limited overs cricket, and especially 50 over cricket, it's changed everything now, hasn't it? If you go for seven or eight and over, you're a very good t 20 bowler.
1: It, it also definitely proved to me that we should never interview players During a game, because Ben McDermott just plays this incredible innings, you know, absolutely slays the ball around the place. Um, It's so exciting. It's, you know, a star is born, all this stuff comes off and does the boundary side interview. And it's just the most boring, like, five minutes of of nothing television. Boys are good, boys are good. Sort of like, oh, he was just really earnest. He's like, oh, yeah, well, what? We've got 150. Hopefully, we can chase it. You know, yeah. So like,
0: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think sometimes the media like training like just, that's like received back do the talking.
0: Yeah. They, they, they receive so much media training at trying not to say anything, and it can. And I get why. There's a reason for that. I don't think this
1: was even training kicking, and this was just he was just lost in the middle of the adrenaline. Right. He didn't. You know, his brain wasn't going anywhere. All he was, he was still in hit ball mode. It's like why bother trying to talk to someone at a time like that? You know, leave him alone.
0: The uh, Renegades played again last night, and uh, they had a better result this time. So they they keep yes. their, their, their their season alive again, like they did with the women. They've had with the men as well. well well, they've
1: lost two off the last ball this season, yeah. so they'd be pretty stiff to miss out. They've played very well on a bunch of occasions and just missed
0: out, and they were, very, they were great last night. Yeah, like Marcus Harris, I didn't really expect to be thinking of Marcus Harris, who was the... Uh, who, I didn't really think of him as a T20 player before all no, this, but he No, a 85. Western Australian shield opener. And, yeah, and, you know. and, and he's a Victoria, of course, and yep. made 85 of about 60-odd balls last night, batted through the bulk of the innings and sort of set it up for them. Uh, and uh, and Adelaide, the, probably the, the part of the Adelaide innings that will be most reflected upon is when the bat came out of Brad Hodge's hands and hit Peter Neville, causing a possible broken jaw. This was a odd event.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. A big slog sweep from Brad Hodge, who was getting desperate to raise the score. Uh, I don't know if it was a greasy night or whatever, but the, the bat slipped out of his hand and, and flew behind him. And Neville wasn't keeping up to the stumps. He was standing, you know, sort of medium pacer style to Cesaro Pereira, you know, probably mm. 10 yards back. Uh, but he was watching the ball go out to deep backwards square, waiting for it to come in. And so he didn't see the bat coming, clobbered him in the side of the face more with the handle than the blade. But uh, he he went off with a huge swelling of of his jaw on the right side of his face and, uh, just a horrible thing to see happen to a player
0: yeah poor timing for Neville who's also missed out on the India tour and the strikers are very much out of the tournament so mm. Neville's side will live to see another day but he probably won't also uh,
1: also a bit awkward to have you know, so Darren Lehman and Mark War on the commentary two selectors commentating a partnership between Callum Ferguson and Peter Neville who they both <laughs> recently dropped and then later they're chatting to Aaron Finch who's the, the renegades captain say, oh yeah where are you going to put the slip Finch you know, who they've also just punted from the one day <laughs> yeah. team the, the, the the, awkward the quir- all round
0: of the BBL commentary team is that we often see some of these um, exchanges between players and, and selectors who've, you know, just either left a side or coming into a side or competing for a spot. I wonder Just
1: everybody's the- doing every job. Like, you go to get lunch at the Adelaide Oval and you expect to see Mark Ward <laughs> dishing up the chicken strips. You know, like how many gigs
0: has the guy got? Uh, towards the I'll top get of- some plum sauce on those. It's good. I don't even know where to take that, Jeff. As usual, you've 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 left me you left me speechless at the other end of the line here. Um, the Scorchers and the stars at the top end of the ladder played out at the Whacker a couple of nights ago, and the stars uh, did the trick there. They had four wickets in the first four overs. It was a shambles for the for the uh, for the home side. Um, Beer took two, Hilfenhouse took two, and they never really recovered. KP forty-four not out. Marcus Stoinis, forty not out, and the stars are on the cusp of that home final, especially if they can beat the heat tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, they were nowhere really. The Scorchers, in that uh, in that. Particular innings they were trying to set up. It was all beer early. He took a took a catch as well in the was it the fourth over. A couple of wickets in his in the third over, um, and they they didn't recover from him. So a little bit of a, a bit of payback there. Maybe he used to play over in WA, and then they got rid of him. And That's you know, true. Justin yeah. Langer,
0: the coach of the Scorchers, had to watch Michael Beer sink his side. I mentioned before that it's the stars and the heat tonight. That's at the MCG. We've got five games to go all told. It's the Thunder and the Strikers tomorrow. Uh, the Heat and the Gades on the game number 30, the Hurricanes and the Scorches and the Stars and the Sixers and all that. What that really means is that tonight's the big one. If the Stars and the Heat, um, if, if one, whoever wins tonight will probably seal themselves a home final. All the teams can make it apart from Adelaide. But at, administrators will love the fact that I guess it took 27 of the 32 games to truly eliminate one side. I think that's a sign of a, a very even competition, which at the moment has four teams on eight points three teams on six and one on four. So there seems to be a commonality from season to season here. It's that um, these final series are being landed very late and that makes for great television and and a great competition.
1: Yeah, look, I think it helps having such a short season, the fact that each team only plays eight games. It it doesn't give so much time for gaps to open up, although the women's comp, they do play a lot more matches and... And that table's still relatively even as well. So you know, even competition is a happy one, as the the AFL are always trying yeah. to trying to make happen with their the damn socialist agenda of their <laughs> equalisation, those salary, salary caps. caps and
0: drafts. And yeah. oh. Karl
1: Marx would have loved the salary caps.
0: Political correctness gone mad, yeah, it's bro. Gone
1: mad. It's gone absolutely wild.
0: On, on the on that tangent. Imagine point. people
1: being respectful to each other. It shouldn't shouldn't happen. Shouldn't be allowed. Not in this country. Not in this. Not Australian tradition. Not what we
0: fought for. Yeah. We that, fought for the right to discriminate against people. That is not
1: people. what we fought under quite a number of different flags for, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and not the flag we represented, not the flag no, we have at the moment. Incidentally, yeah, the one that that what got formalised in 1953, I think. Well, let's leave it there, Jeff. In with the danger that we'll keep going and we'll keep uh, making this. Podcast you know, uh, sort of slide into a political one as well. Uh, it's been Why not? enjoyable. Let's, it up. Let's, let's do it next week. <laughs> right. Next week will be the last podcast that deals with the uh, deals with the regular season of the Big Bash and the Women's Big Bash League. By the next week as well, we'll also have the end of the one day internationals, Australia versus Pakistan to report on. And who only knows between now and then? A whole been... lot of
1: futures league games that Steve <laughs> O'Keefe will have in. That'll
0: be good. <laughs> a few club games as well. I think he's playing in between now and when uh, when he takes off on that plane to. India in a couple of weeks' time. All the
1: latest from Manly Warringah.
0: Yeah, yeah maybe we'll hear more about, um, what's his name? Mickey Edwards. He hasn't done much media, has he? Mickey Edwards, no. the bloke with the long blonde hair. He's, no. uh, he's been all everywhere. he did was
1: have some hair. Good hair, stood though. in the field and had some good hair.
0: Good hair, indeed. Oh, I hope it lasts. We've started, um, we've started all over the place. We've ended all over the place. Let's leave it here. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. This has been The Final Word. Until next week, go well.